can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored. I am your host, Hannah First, and we're back for another cringy combo today. I am joined by Melissa Mason. She is a freelance writer and editor and podcaster. And today we're going to be talking about her fertility journey. Welcome to the podcast. Before we get on to the serious stuff, you just got back from Thailand, my favorite place, and I was watching all your stories and your hair looked like incredible despite I know how humid it is over there. Oh my Can god, you the humidity. Share <laughs> your hair secrets cuz you've obviously got curly hair. Yes. Well, firstly, thank you so much. Huge compliment. <laughs> Love being told my hair looks good because I did not feel like it did. I really felt that humidity so hard. I I think cuz we haven't traveled for so long and like I live in Sydney. We had a very humid summer this year. Mm-hmm. But it's nothing on Thailand, hey? Like, <laughs> there is nothing. nothing like it. Nothing will prepare you for the frizz. <laughs> nothing will. Even your fringe looked good. Like, a curly fringe <laughs> is, like, hard to pull off. Do you have any products that you were using? Okay, yes. Okay. I do. I do have some recommendations, but I think that's because I've struggled with my curly hair for so long that I do feel like I know a few things. So, mm-hmm. firstly, I think you just have to embrace the size. Like, yes. you just have to let it grow. <laughs> to whatever size it may want to. It you cannot tame it. Do not try. Yeah. Just let it let it be. Um and so what I will usually do is I actually went and got a trim of my fringe before I left and I said to my hairdresser, make it a bit shorter than we normally would have it. Because normally I've kind mm-hmm. of almost got this like I've kind of got like a seventies fringe. It's like quite graduated curtain down. Bangs. Curtain yeah, yep. not like almost like between curtain bangs and a full set of bangs I suppose yep. you know and so I went shorter which doesn't look so great at the moment when I have it straight in Sydney yeah but then when it would bounce up it meant that the curl didn't do a cow lick ah. so I would kind of blow dry that off I've got like a dice you know yeah, the dice yeah. and the dice everyone loves the dice and I it's the one crazy beauty buy that I back really hard is that Dyson supersonic yeah and so I'll blow dry it with that which would kind of almost leave it I'd say 70 or 80% dry, but I wouldn't be like brushing it or anything. I'd just like roughly dry it to 70%. And what I found then was it didn't go into full curls, but it still had a wave. So it didn't look like I'd overstyled it. Mm-hmm. This all sounds really complex. Like, I feel like you have curly wavy hair. You get it. Like the complicated like nature of your process. I do. It is complicated. <laughs> yes. Yes. Anyone listening definitely. is like, absolutely. I understand what you're saying here. Um, <laughs> and then in terms of product, I actually forgot my favorite product, which I would normally use in humid weather, which is uh-huh. oh, it's no. IGK Beach Club Texture Spray. Ooh, so it's I've like got a... not, I don't feel like, do you love it? I've never used it, but I'm going to order it okay. after this call. Yeah. Yep. We have it at a okay. door. It's so good. It's so good for like messy beachy curls. Mm-hmm. Like it gives that little bit of grit and hold, but without making it like tacky and crunchy. I... GK Beach Curls. Beach Club Texture Spray. So it's actually like an after product. So I'll put it in once my hair is like, like I'd usually go in with my diffuser, dry it off like, again, like 60%, 70%. And then I would spray that. And what that would do would almost 
maintain the like waves and curls because like yeah my hair's like weird it's sort of like curly wavy I don't really know somewhere in between mm-hmm. and it would hold that right I forgot it oh. so what I was doing instead which I kind of am gonna try again this summer is I use um my holy grail of like conditioner is muck one minute deep treatment mm-hmm. it's like a little I think they've just changed packaging. It used to be hot pink. Okay. Um, and I think maybe now it's baby pink. I know you have it on a door because I literally just bought some more. <laughs> oh, I love that. Like I didn't even need to like tell you to choose a door product. This is off the cuff. Off Thank the, you. It yeah. genuinely is off the cuff because I was like, I bought it off a door and then you you guys came and were like, oh, do you want to do this podcast? And then you asked the question about my hair yeah. and I was like, this is hilarious. Did you look up in your backlog? <laughs> Melissa Mason's ordered. No, we didn't. I don't have access to customer data. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, that conditioner is a godsend for like anyone who has like fried ends or dry, porous hair. Mm-hmm. It's so softening. It works in a minute. I have no time in the shower. I do not. I can't stand there. I won't do it. I will not wear a hair mask for 10 minutes. I'll never do it. It won't happen. So it works in a minute. It's really softening. And what I would do is I kind of just wouldn't fully rinse it out. Oh. So then it kind of, this is like a trick that I'd read somewhere for people that have really porous curls, like quite dry, yep. is that you can actually get away with leaving your conditioner in to some degree and not get that greasy look. It just almost keeps the moisture in your curls and prevents. It's so dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if that's going to work for everyone, but that's what I was doing. Thank you so much for the compliment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, love to talk about curls. <laughs> Wait, had you been to Thailand? I'd been before, yeah. So I've been a couple of times, but this was probably the longest I spent there. So I was there for two weeks this time. Good and, amount of time. Oh, obsessed. Did you love it? I, I'm i with you. Best. Like I share your obsession <laughs> with Thailand. It's so good. I feel like to me, I haven't been to Bali, right? Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of Bali. But I feel like Thailand has, like, Bali is so, in a way, to me, from what how everyone talks about it, Australianized. Oh, yeah. And so it's, you know, like, you uh, go yeah. and it's like, I, I'm just getting. I actually went to one of those beach clubs this time around because I did Bali, then Thailand. It took us yes. two hours to get down to the beach club. <gasps> then it took us another hour to get a spot on the beach. And by the time we got on the beach, the sun had gone down. No. So, like, that was my experience of trying to go to the beach, like a nice <laughs> beach in Bali. And I was like, God, it's not like this in Thailand. Like, not to be mean about Bali, but honestly. <laughs> not to pit them against like, each other. Oh, I don't know about this. It's not, not really my vibe. Well, look, I haven't been, so I'm, I'm talking without experience, but I feel like <laughs> I like when I go away, I like a mixture of like adventure and like culture, like a new different culture mixed with really nice beaches where I can just lie down and have a Mai Tai. And I feel like Thailand really gives you the best of both worlds. Definitely ticks all those boxes. Oh, I'm so glad that you love it so much. So let's get on to the topic of today. So Mm -hmm. I had you on my list because I'd actually read one of your articles. It was about getting your fertility tested. It was on Mamma Mia. I'd love for you to like talk me through that process and also like why you decided to get it tested in the first place. Yeah, cool. So I got my fertility tested. I was 35 and essentially what had happened was I'd been thinking about getting my eggs frozen because I know that you have gone through that process and Mm -hmm. I was toying with that idea initially and in my talks with them, they were sort of like, oh, like we'll get your fertility tested first and you have to go through that process and they were sort of like, you know, it doesn't 
often happen, but be prepared that you may find out that your fertility isn't exactly where you'd like it to be in terms of having viable eggs and all of that. And I was like, oh, mm. that like I just knew nothing Same. about any of this. Did you? Nothing. Yeah, right? Like no one teaches you. I went in blind and like, yeah, I she said that like what happens is that women that are in their 30s, it's, it can be kind of hit and miss because like I think your optimum – the optimal age is in your like early 20s mm-hmm. maybe. I can't remember exactly. So like, yes, you can still be like very fertile in your 30s, but for some women they're not going to experience that and it can be really tough to like find that out. I learned so much. I so also, much. the thing that surprised me was it was, it's actually we focus so much on like the number of eggs, but it's actually the quality of the eggs, mm-hmm. which was like that's actually a really big deal. And no one ever talks about that. No one tells, no yeah. one talks about that. Like yep. it was mind blowing. And and like that was, that discussion was happening. And essentially, yeah, I got to the point, kind of what you were saying where they had told me, look, like you're 35, like normally we suggest that people do this like before they're 30 mm. or like in their early 30s. And she was like, you can still totally do it. And like, it can, it can totally work. But the, the, the general message that I was hearing was, Yes, you can like get your eggs frozen, but actually the quality of your eggs at 35 isn't really at a point where you're guaranteed to have a viable, mm. like, I don't even know what they call. What are they called? Pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> Pregnancy. Wow. I can't remember the exact, yeah, like, because you need a certain number and they need to be of a certain quality to like give you like a 99% chance or whatever. Yes. Yeah, it will result. They call it a live pregnancy, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's what Okay, yeah. Like so, that. yeah. What I was hearing was you can go through this whole process, which is quite taxing on your body and also like, you know, costs a fair bit of money Expensive, um, and actually like your eggs aren't in a great place for that anyway, probably. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I won't do this. And then I met my boyfriend. Oh, so tough. That's so yeah. tough, love. Well, yep. it was like a awkward thing because I think I would have gone through with it because I'd been single yep. for ages, like. I'd been single probably for about 10 years with like a string of short three month sort of join the club situationships. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's why I got my eggs frozen. Cause I was like, Oh, this ain't happening. I feel like this is a thing. It's not proven everyone listening, but I swear you, you decide to get your eggs frozen and then you're going to meet a man. <laughs> and then you meet someone. <laughs> Don't like, not, yeah, proven. not proven, but like, obviously in, in both two anecdotal, two anecdotes for you there. Yeah. But yes, basically. Maybe it's cause that pressure dart, like, to be honest with you, that, in my case, the pressure like completely lifted and I was like, I don't even care what happens mm. now. <laughs> it is a big thing though. The pressure, that's what really led me to look into getting my eggs frozen was I was like, yeah. when is this going to happen? And then also when it does happen, when I do meet someone that I want to be with, I don't want to have to feel like I have to rush into getting pregnant or trying to get pregnant. Like I want to get to know them. I want to spend time. I want to travel with them and yeah. and kind of have a fun time. So it was it was for me kind of a way of going, oh, maybe I can like, have that sort of protection over or because you know they, they obviously say that it's, it's not a guarantee and that was like the number one thing I was being told was it's no guarantee but at least it's like one thing you can do as a single woman to yeah kind of give yourself a little bit of a safety net to some degree yeah um anyway so went through all of that decided against it because I met Tom and then I was like cool um we had this really uncomfortable conversation early on because I think He's so he's 10 years younger than me. So that's like, I have to put that out there first of all, mm-hmm. so that people understand that I'm not like 
a mad woman. And I definitely want to <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about that later on because I have we lots can of do questions. That. But yep. basically, um, <laughs> I didn't take it seriously because I was like, you are 25. You are not looking for something serious. I went into it thinking, this is a fun hookup. I'm going to feel really hot hooking up with a 25-year-old at 35. Like, I've still got it, that vibe. And so we were just kind of like hanging out and whatever. And then it just started to feel more serious than I'd been expecting it to. And he kind of at one point was like, you know, are we like, what are we? And I was like, whoa, what do you mean? What are we? I thought we were just like hanging out. And it's not that I wasn't feeling it. It's like I wasn't letting myself feel it because I was kind of guarding myself. The assumption was he's not in. Yeah, he's not going to want to. Absolutely. Totally. I'd be the same. Yeah, I just literally had not entered my mind, even though we were having an amazing time together. Everything was great. I was just kind of like, this has a time limit on it and he's not going to be interested. And particularly, he's not going to want the kind of life that I want in the next few years, which is ideally children and a family. And so I had to have this really awkward combo, like Mm -hmm. I'm talking like four weeks into dating this guy. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put this out here. I know you're talking about what are we, but like, you do not want this. I was like, this is like kids before you're 30. And like, that is like, for me, it was not a thing I would have ever wanted. Um, But he said to me really interestingly, he was like, why are you assuming you know what I want and what I want my life to look like? And I was like, oh yeah, like I'm really just throwing Mm. assumptions onto you that I had about what you would want. And so we basically had this convo where we were like, yeah, look, like, in the next few years, we'll start trying for kids. And because... At the four-week mark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know. Oh, it was chaos. I, oh, it was so chaotic. You know what, though? When it's the right time, it's the right time to talk about it. There's no rules. Yeah. And I think, like, I'm not a believer in, like, the one. I really, like, speak about this a lot um, just in my life, in my writing and stuff. I'm not a big believer in soulmates or anything because I think that there are so many people in this world that we can meet and develop a beautiful life with. And so much of it comes down to me to compatibility and what you want in life and what your interests are. And and so all of those factors, obviously, I believe in a connection, but I think that it's not this Mm. wishy-washy fantasy Mm. thing. Sorry to anyone that does (laughs) believe that. I respect your interests. But, you know, for me, it was kind of like, yeah, there really aren't any rules around this stuff. And it was a conversation that I think I just needed to have. And I think for us, it was the right time because it wasn't so much that we were saying, oh, we're going to be together and this is definitely like we're now together forever. We were just more saying like our trajectories are aligning here. Like you're open to this, you're on board yep. and you want something serious and I do too. So yep. that kind of is where I got to. That's where I'm at now. Like we're not trying for kids yet. Um, yeah. I, I Honestly, I want to push it as I just, oh, it's so hard. Like I just want to push it forever. That would be the dream. I know. <laughs> well, this is what I, so this is how I sort of feel. And I wanted to ask you this was sometimes I feel it's really unfair. Yeah. Like this biological clock, it's there. It's real. There's nothing that we can do to like go like that just doesn't exist. It does exist. And if you speak to fertility specialists, they do say like, you know, by your mid thirties, your fertility does decline. Like it's a sharp decline, Mm -hmm. particularly in the quality of your eggs. But the thing is, as I feel like I just feel young and vibrant, sorry, but I do. And I like, I, you know, I feel like I'm in my twenties. I don't feel like, I don't feel like this part of my life is like disappearing, but that's sort of the medical reality of it. Did you feel that kind of unfairness? Big time. I still feel it. I'm 30. So I'm 36 Mm. now. I'm 37 in Feb. But I'm like, 
like, what the hell? Because every year I think this will be the year that it clicks for me. This will be the year that I feel like an adult, like someone who is a mum or whatever. And I have friends that are mums and they're all like, Mel, you never feel like that. You will never feel mm. like you're suddenly a mum. You just go with it and roll with it essentially. And like, mm. obviously I think there are people that outright just don't want kids and know within their heart, they're just not interested. Yep. For me, it's so complicated because I really want kids, but I really love my life. Yeah. And Oof, I feel I that. love traveling. feel that in my yeah, soul. Yeah, right? Yeah. 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 I, I feel like we are very similar like this because I see yes. you on Instagram and stuff and I'm like, <laughs> yes, we're very the same. We're like, we just don't, I never felt like, I think I've always felt younger than my age Yeah. in terms of what is stereotypically associated with my age. And I'm not a very serious person. And so I like to have fun all the time. <laughs> and having a baby is very serious business. It is. And like, obviously, there's so much fun to be had there. And like, I hang out with my friends, yep. kids. I love them. And my friends, like, I have this friend and she's so incredible and she's got a kid and um, she just breaks all the rules of what like being a mom is supposed to be like she's just Mm. you know she'll still like come out and party or whatever but then you know like obviously like her partner looks after their kid when she does that and then like she's still Mm. very much um is a fun person like it's not like she became a mom and became this like completely different persona overnight like she still has all of the fun enjoyable aspects that she had Mm. before having a kid and obviously that's what it is but for some reason in my head I'm like oh god I have a kid and life is completely different it's over I feel like it's just traveling again yeah no I feel for (laughs) me life becomes like um this sounds so bad not a burden but like it's like you're no longer the center of your universe and I think that's quite like it's hard to kind of accept that you're no longer the only. Yeah. Because when you're as a single like woman, I found like I don't get too stressed out about too much because like there's not really, Mm. you don't have a lot of responsibilities compared to when I see people with families. And I think that there is a lot more responsibility involved and growing up to do. Yeah. And like even we got a dog at the beginning of this year Mm -hmm. and he's like an adult dog. He's not even a puppy. He's like nine, but he thinks he's a baby. Like he actually thinks he's a baby and even getting the dog, (laughs) we have gone through this like whole, like, oh my God, what have we done? Like we've got this little life that we have to keep alive and dogs, you can leave them at home. Yeah, Like you can literally leave a dog. You can't leave a baby at home. No. You can't just leave it at home and like go out to the pub for the night to play trivia or whatever and just come back. And I think that's it. Like exactly what you said. It's like, I don't have a lot of responsibilities that really like dominate my attention at this point. But then I'm just acutely aware of the serious side of having a child. And that as soon as I birth that kid, I am responsible for that life and I'm responsible 24 seven. And I'm like, totally also, it's like, Mm. it's like, I'm very aware of that factor, but I can't get my head around this idea of this unconditional love that I'm going to feel that will make that okay. And like, So I guess when I say like, I think my life's going to be over, it's not like I actually think it's going to be over. It's like, I'm just so acutely aware that this portion of my life has been going on for the last like, what, two decades, decade and a half. And that as soon as I, you know, fall pregnant and have a kid, that's a new life stage that you cannot take back. No. Wow. Yes. (laughs) So you basically had the fertility testing done and the recommendation was that you basically 
it sounds like it was like probably not worth freezing them, but it's probably worth like thinking about doing it in the next few years. Yeah. So basically the reason I actually got the fertility testing done in the end was because we sort of had like Tom and I had moved in together. It was all on. And then I was like, I just want to know, because if I know, then I've got a bit more of a time frame. because at this point I was 35 and I was like, the future is just very hazy. I'm like, I'm very aware that I probably need to start thinking about kids, but like, can I get a bit more of a like Mm. guideline around that? And mainly I was like, if I find out that I have quite low fertility chances, I maybe want to speed up my timeline here. Like that might've put maybe made me more, I guess, put more urgency on it, I suppose. And what I ended up finding out was that I'm pretty normal. So like my egg count, normal for my age. And then they sort of show you this, it had this line because it's this line and there's this green section at the top and that's like okay. your prime fertility period, right? And then there's this big orange section. I don't know if yours looked like this. And then there's like a red section at the bottom. <laughs> and like my line, like cool, like it goes through the green. And the, the line actually, they can't tell you from the fertility testing. It's just the kind of age yeah. median, I think, of like your egg quality. And like, as we were saying, that's like actually kind of more, almost more important than your egg count. Yeah. So my egg, like where she put the dot for me was like Mm. at the very bottom of the green. And then the line going down from there was just shooting down (laughs) for the next couple of years. So she was saying like, okay, right now at this exact point, you're still in the green fertility zone. Like you'd still probably fall pregnant, Yeah. you know, relatively easily depending But in the next couple of years, you're heading straight into that orange zone and that your quality of egg gets worse and worse, essentially. And I think, and I can't remember 100% and maybe you do. So don't take this as doctor advice, anyone listening. Mm -hmm. But I'm fairly sure she was saying like, it's about, you know, you'll put out an egg each month usually, but it's whether that egg is a viable egg. Yes. So that chance lessens and lessens dramatically post 35 and so that was really confronting yeah but I still had like she was still kind of saying like in the next couple of years so I was like every year I'm like oh but (laughs) still yeah (laughs) and I think you actually because you wrote um I do wonder if finding out my fertility situation was not wise I don't feel empowered by the knowledge I just feel shit scared and I think I have a lot of people ask me all the time like they literally have no idea. They don't know how, where their fertility, they're in their 30s. They don't know where their fertility sort of sits. They want to know, but I get the feeling a lot of people are putting it off because they're still, they might still be single and they might not want to know. And that might be like better not to know. So I guess, would you recommend someone that is in that like unknown phase to go and do just like do it, go and do the fertility testing? Or would you have preferred sort of not to find out? Oh, it's so hard because, yeah, when I when I found out, I suppose I was expecting – I don't know what I was expecting. I think – I always think in extremes. So I thought, oh, I'm either going to have mm. horrendous fertility and it's just going to take kids off the table and I'm going to have to process that and that would bring up – And grie- grief as well. Grief, yeah. Yeah, but then it also makes a choice for me that I don't have to make myself because then I'm like, okay, well, I can't have kids so now my life is traveling and yep. just this forever. And then I'm like, great, choice off the table. And I'm sure that would not be as easy as my mind was making mm. it. Like I would have to grieve it. You can't know how you would respond to a situation until you're in it, you know. I think for me, I've struggled the most with making my own decisions mm-hmm. my whole life. Like my ang- I have anxiety and it's all centered around decision making and I okay. hate choices. 
And so if a choice is taken off the table, I'm like, great. Okay. I mean, this is upsetting. I hate it, but also I have no part to play in this essentially. So I think I thought it was going to be that, or it was going to be like, Mel, you have the most amazing fertility. Oh my God. You're basically going to be like able to be, get pregnant till you're 75. Like welcome to the rest of your life. Like have 20 yeah. kids if you want, you know? And I don't know why I thought it would be one or the other and not just like, you're just an average woman. Which would be the most likely scenario. I'm yep. So <laughs> I'm extremely yep. beige, everyone. I'm the beigest, the beigest fertility person ever. So I think for me, it was like, okay, so I'm not in any rush, but I'm also not, not in a rush. Not in a rush. I'm in this kind of back in the same limbo, except now it's like, I can see that I absolutely 100% know that my fertility is going downhill fast year on year. And I wondered, I suppose, if I didn't know that, would that almost sometimes is knowledge worse for you? Because then you think about it all the time. Mm. In hindsight now, like a year, a year and a half on, I'm kind of okay with the fact that I did it. I do now think knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. But at the time I was like, is it though? And it just really depends on who you are, I think. And I also think about it like, would this be scarier if I were single? Because, Mm. you know, nothing is for certain. Like I love my partner. He loves me. We're in a very healthy relationship. But of course, like nothing is you know, nothing is permanent in life. Things can blow up. Yeah. I mean, my fertility was good. And so I guess when I think about like, oh, I'm so glad I know that now. However, on the flip side, I have spoken to women that have had it done at the same age. And one in particular, it was not a good, like it wasn't a good result. But then she was like extremely upset, but she was like, I have to actually take action now. And I have to actually like start putting some things in place to make sure that like I don't lose any, it any further. So I actually either way, I think would have been really happy that I did it. Cause like, I would have been like, all oh, right. Like I, I, you know, I need to sort of like make some plans now. If this is something that I really want. Looking back for me, I'm glad I did it. I think I just wasn't expecting the information to sort of sit with me and feel like a new level of pressure. I thought if anything, it would take pressure off being like, oh, in the next couple of years. But then I was like, oh, in the next couple of years. And I think it really cemented, Mm. it kind of took the blinkers off. How did you kind of psych yourself up to have that conversation? I mean, it doesn't really matter on what age they are. That's a difficult conversation no matter what. Absolutely. And you know what? This is the number one thing that like, I think people are fascinated about our age gap is like, oh, but like Mm. he's so much younger and like in such a different stage of life to you. And he couldn't possibly, and that's what was going through my head was like, he couldn't possibly want any of these things anytime soon. But to be honest, I'd always kind of dated younger than my age, but only by like a year or two. And I had one ex that was about six years older than me and all of them were not ready for children, particularly the guy that was six years older than me. Like mm. if anything, he was the number one Peter Pan of them all. <laughs> and, and so I think it's funny because you really can't make it an age thing. I think it's a conversation that at my age, I would have been having whether the guy was 25 or 45 because it's the kind of upsetting part, isn't it? Is that we have this biological clock yep. as much as we've had so many advances medically, we still haven't worked out a way to like mm. give women 
any period of their life to have kids, you still have this window. I feel like there's still not heaps of information about it that's like super easily accessible for us. Like I just feel like no one tells you about this stuff. Like I knew nothing about my body. I knew nothing about like egg quality versus quantity. I had no idea they were things. In my head, I thought you have this little sack of eggs. I didn't even really know where they were. I knew they were in the fallopian tube. Didn't know if they were on both sides or one. <laughs> and I just imagined them pop out sometimes. <laughs> I actually thought like for so long, I was like, and it just floats in there. And I'm like, what is it floating in? Like my understanding of my own like mm-hmm. internal anatomy is so terrible. <laughs> And it was just only really when I went and got fertility tested that I actually had to think about that properly. But yeah, anyway, so to go back, conversation, Mm -hmm. I just blurted it out as is my way. I have absolutely no skills with bringing things up in a really smooth, tactical manner. I just feel a thing and immediately need to say the thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think I was picking up the vibes from Tom that were starting to become more serious, particularly on his end. For me, looking back, it was becoming serious for me, but I was very much had my walls up. I was like, cool, I really like you, but I just refused mm. to like consider you because it's, let it, yeah. Yeah. I would not be vulnerable at all. And because he was getting more serious, and I think for me, I was like, I need to either end this now yeah. so I don't get more hurt than I will be if it gets deeper, or I need a little bit of reassurance mm. that this guy would stick around if this was the future for us. And so I was leaning more towards he was going to bail. So I was sort of like stealing myself and like, okay, cool. Like bags packed. Yep. Great. Cause I was at his house and I was like, awesome. I'm ready to like run out of here when he says, oh no, nah, that's not for me. And I think I just said to him like something along the lines of, I don't know what you mean by like, what are we? Because like, you definitely do not want the future that I've got planned for myself. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, like I'm 35. I'm going to want kids at least in the next five years. Mm. And I was like, you'll be having a kid before you're 30. You can't be telling me you want that. Like, I don't want to party heaps anymore. I want to settle down and I want like a family. He said like, why do you, why are you assuming you know what I want? And we sort of had this quite honest conversation and he was like Mm -hmm. like I would say he kind of wasn't like that's what I want like that's what I dreamed of having in my 20s it's more like we're very different I'm very planned I'm very like this is how things are and when things deviate off the plan I freak out and he's more go with the flow person and I think for him we'd met each other and we had a really good thing and he was like well I want this person so therefore I want to meet her wherever she needs to be met. And for me as well, I think that's why I keep trying to delay it because I'm like, oh, but it's like fun to like do stuff. And I don't want to, you know, have kids too soon in our relationship either and change the dynamic. But anyway, so as you can see, I still don't really have it all together. (laughs) I will just say on the final note, it does sound, despite the 10-year age gap, like a very healthy level of communication and it sounds like a really nice healthy relationship I did I think see an article where you said it was the healthiest relationship that you've had it is oh yes love that that for you I really do (laughs) Um, thank you you so much Melissa for joining me I hope for anyone listening that is sort of in the same space that we both were not that long ago um, that you got something out of it thank you Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.